Hello and welcome back to Cooking Books, the podcast which takes us through four food moments from the books of our favourite A-list of food writers. I'm Julie Smith and this week I'm with Ben Tish on a trip to his favourite southern Mediterranean food via his latest book, Sicilia. But before we meet Ben, a little taste of another food podcast which should be on your radar. The Food Foundation's Right to Food podcast has been nominated for a Guild of Food Writers Investigative Food Work Award for its coverage of how COVID revealed the gaps in the food system. And yes, I produce it, but here's why you should be listening to it. Nice to meet you. Janai, Rabia, Tia, Tyler and Robin, just five of the team of ambassadors, had found a like mind. Bring Marcus up to date on where we are and what you think as a group, because we are in fact a pressure group, what we're going to do to make sure that this money is in the next budget. Whose responsibility do you feel it is to make good food cheaper and more accessible and make sure that the poorest in our society and the most vulnerable are getting the good food they need? At the beginning of the pandemic, I had people on my doorstep saying, is this how they're going to starve us out? They bolster their reputation as a hunger fighter rather than a hunger causer. So, you know, their wages are so horrific. So why end hunger? There's no motivation to end hunger in this country. You know, it, hunger is good, is good for business. You can find Right to Food on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Now to Cicely with Ben Tish, chef at London's Norma restaurant and author of Sicilia. He and I last met to talk about his book Moorish, which looked at the influence of the Moors on Spanish food for the delicious podcast. And this time I found him still just as fascinated in this rich history of foodie influences. So as you know, I, I do have a fascination with... Um, I suppose the southern part of the Mediterranean and 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 where it kind of it gets a bit blurred between you know yes the Mediterranean but also kind of North Africa and the kind of starts getting onto the the uh, Arabic world so yeah Moorish was um, mainly Andalusia but did touch on Portugal and southern uh, and and southern Italy including Sicily. Um, I think what uh, what kind of made me explore Sicilia more in, indeed was opening Norma. Um, I don't know if Norma, I think when we spoke last time, Norma hadn't opened. No. So I think we were a few months off, but that was in the pipeline. Um, and Norma was uh, a concept that I've been working on for a while, which is a Sicilian restaurant. I mean, I do love Sicily um, as a whole. I love going there on holiday. I love traveling around there. I love eating the food and I love Sicilian food culture and, and all the other parts of the culture in Sicily so um, wanted to open a restaurant and um, which I did uh, it's been pretty successful um, with that kind of came the book as well and you know I, I um, it isn't it, it isn't a restaurant cookbook um, it's it's a, a travel log mainly folks you know kind of me traveling around Sicily and eating in various places um, but um, yeah, so that was it was just an extension, really, of, of my love of that part of the world and where I'm at now. It's a really fascinating book because you do talk about the history of, of Arab culture, the markets and the places and the smells and, and all that that brings. But why Arab for you? Why have you continued that interest with Arab? Did you have a moment? Yes. I mean, I, I mean, I, I love I love all foods, but I'm I, uh, cooking at home and I, uh, I'm married to an, a half Indian um, lady. You know, spices and the kind of the exotic side of, of foods that we say ex- exotic side of food really interest me. And, you know, coupled with my um, Mediterranean kind of food background, 
and then uh, I, I've just kind of gravitated towards the the mix of the Arabic the Arabic flavors and the more exotic flavors with Mediterranean food, and I just guess it's all it's all kind of intertwined. I don't know, and I, I just I love it, and I love the way it sits. Um, it's kind of contrasts with uh, the foods, that, you know, so, so Italian food. Um, is kind of very simple, but you know, you pair it with kind of Ara- uh, an Arabic flavour, um, an Arabic ingredients, and it becomes a whole new thing altogether. Very kind of exotic and exciting. Not that Italian food is not exciting, but I just love the way it sits side by side and kind of makes something else altogether. I, th- I find it fascinating. It brings a warmth rather than a heat, doesn't it? I'm thinking of cumin and uh, spices like that. It's it's gentler than you might associate with some of the spicier uh, dishes that you might find in, you know, further south. There's a lovely warmth, an aromatic warmth. You're right about the warmth, certainly, um, and a, a, gen- a gentle warmth. I think that's a very good way of putting it. Um, even if they use chilli, you know, chilli is a big thing in Sicily, but it's never used to blow your head off, you know, it's not like, you know, or, or, or to really kind of hit you. It's always a kind of a subtle kind of undertone of, of, of heat. Um, take us through some of the ingredients that we would associate with Sicilian cuisine. Aubergines, lemons, oranges, um, lots of uh, dried, you know, dried fruits, nuts, almonds, pistachios. Um, yes, cumin, saffron, um, you know, uh, flower waters, I think are really interesting. You know, that you, 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 you know, orange or, or orange or rose flower to you immediately associate, you know, with you know, North Africa and Morocco and things like that. But, you know, it's, it's all over Sicily, you know, and especially in desserts and things like that. Yeah. And and tell us about some of the markets, the souk-like markets um, of, of Palermo, some, a very wild and sensual town. So, yeah, I mean, certainly, um, I mean, Palermo, I mean, there's, there, you know, Mediterranean um, countries and their markets are a, a big passion of mine. But Sicily is kind of another thing altogether because it's, 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 a lots part lots of Sicily, including Palermo, is still quite wild. Um, there's only really kind of Catania and a little bit on the east side that is kind of become, uh, I suppose, gentrified for for want of a better word. But Palermo is is pretty eye opening, um, and the markets in particular, uh, Bolero Market. Um, you know, you you kind of get there, and um, once you kind of sort of walk into it, the locals there they do not. Um, they're just living their lives essentially, but they, you know, it's quite alien to see how um, they they operate. You know, I suppose you could be, like I say, in in Morocco, and there's lots of hustle and bustle. It's very, it, you know, there's little care to um, health and safety and, and and food hygiene, which I find endearing. Being being a you know a London chef, I, th- I find it I find it fascinating. Um, and I think it's the smells and, uh, immediately. It's the it's the smells I think that get you, that get you first, obviously. So you're drawn into it, and it's a mix of all these kind of like you know um, aromatic flower waters and fruits such as lemons and oranges, but from the leaves essentially, which have that perfume. But then behind that, you've got smoke from um, the street barbecues and the smell of frying oil because everybody's frying everything there and then behind that you've kind of got the um the what they're cooking uh, on these on these barbecues which is essentially intestines and things like that there's lots of spleens and tripes and you know lungs and all sorts of things so it's not for everyone you know but it is ultimately exciting you know you see so you've got so you've got that then you get there and wow you know the 
le- the, the, the fruits and vegetables in Sicily, I'm not just saying this, are the most biggest, best, in-your-face vegetables you'll see anywhere. You know, it's to do with the, 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 the microclimate there and also, you know, the volcanic soil and so on. So everything's, you know, tomatoes, like, big as, like, you, you know, as big as, big, you know, big as three footballs, you know. They, they, and it's all, it's quite alien, you know. It's quite a, wow, what is this? Uh, especially when, you, you know, the first couple of times you've been lemons the size of footballs and all sorts of things you know so uh, so you kind of drawn into that and then again as i talked about the the actual stall holders and the and the locals and you know that's all well, that's all quite exciting and then and then yeah and then you so you go past the the these shops and then there's the butchers there and the horse meat butchers and it's just horse hanging there you could be you know it's it's insane it's it's absolutely insane salt for the senses um, and then, yeah, and then you go and then there's these big stalls um, where they have all their wares out, the, the fried vegetables and, um, you know, the, uh, the spleen sellers um, and, uh, you know, who are really kind of rough and ready, you know, cigarettes hanging out their mouth and they're just dipping their hand in a bucket of spleen and popping it in a sandwich for you. And that, there you go, you know, and you, and you, <laughs> So, you know, that's that kind of thing goes on. And um, but it's it's absolutely amazing. Yeah, I, I love the stigioli, the skewers of sheep's guts. I mean, you know, and the way you describe them, you know, char grilling on a on a on a, on a barbecue there. Yeah, I, I, it's char grilling, on, you know, barbecue. And obviously with that, you get, you know, it's 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 wonderful, exciting. It's not, you know, again, it's not for everybody. It's it's like eating the most intense um, natural tripe that you could possibly imagine um and so you know one is definitely enough as well i would say but you've got to try it while you're there and and the most just to say the horse meat you mentioned i mean it is the most popular of meat and i mean did you have any of these kind of cultural moments where you're thinking okay i'm just gonna have to deal with that i mean how do you kind of leave your london chefness uh, outside i mean is it just something that comes with just your ability to travel and uh, accept other people's cultures a hundred percent i mean yes i i i am very op- i am very open-minded and i also think that being a kind of you know london chef whilst it can be quite rigid you know it is quite rigid and you know there's all these kind of things that you have to adhere to and you know, and so I like to be challenged. I like I like getting out there and being and being challenged. And you know, there's no there's never a moment really where I'm like, Ooh, you know, crikey. I suppose I suppose one point to touch on is that the horse. I suppose the horse meat. I I don't have a problem with it, but my wife is a huge horse fan. You know, she bought up the horses and that kind of thing. So that was we we kind of had to draw the line there. But I I've been on my own to Sicily and eaten horse meat from from grilled outside the horse butchers um but i wouldn't i I wouldn't do that with my wife i think that that's the only time i've drawn drawn the line but um no nothing nothing is nothing is a problem i i I kind of embrace it all um some things are like better than others and i'll perhaps think well i'm not doing that again but i will definitely try it (laughs) your first food moment is svinciani you say it brings back the memories of trudging through the streets of palermo um it's sold on all the street corners. Tell us about it. Um, how, how, how do you make it? Yeah, so it's essentially um, it's essentially a focaccia, really. Um, I mean, you know, we're not wanting to kind of complicate it. It's a focaccia with a topping, um, and in Sicily, it's very ba- it's it's kind of very basic. Uh, the street corner one, you know, differ differing qualities. Don't get me wrong, but 
big slabs of this Shvinconi focaccia with uh, tomatoes, a tomato sauce on top. You might get the odd olive or anchovy thrown on there. M more often than not, you'll get fried breadcrumbs on top of that as well. So it's kind of bread, tomato, bread. And, you know, it's real kind of rustic, cheap, hearty fare. But you can get some you can get some excellent you can get some real excellent quality ones. Um, and um, but but, you know, like this, like all Sicilian food, really, a, a, a traditional Sicilian food, it is all very simple. You know, it's very simple. You know, yes, the tomato sauce is delicious because it's made with tomatoes and that, that kind of thing. But it's very simple. But I just love I, I love the fact that that's the street food there. And, you know, it, you have a slab of that and that is you done for a few hours um you know whilst you're trudging around the markets or whatever and uh yeah i just yeah for me that's 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 typifies uh, typifies palermo to me or in sicily yeah yeah because you know we you you used the word exotic before and we associate sicilian cuisine and dates and almonds and orange and saffron and rose water with exotic goods that came to britain in the 15th 16th century with the traders you know um but actually we are talking about peasant food we are talking about food from the land. We are talking about frugality as well. I mean, this, you know, when you're talking about focaccia straight, sold on street corners, we're talking about really cheap food that it, and it has to be that way. And it has been that way for a very long time because we're talking about a poor land, aren't we? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a really good point. I mean, Sicily, yes, I mean, still is, you know, okay. It's, it, it, it's come, a, it's come a long way, but it's a very poor country and a lot of the food there, um, uh, uh, was born out from was born from poverty, right? You know, and and you know leftovers and making use, you know, making making food stodgy and you know building up. So you know, like bread, you know, breadcrumbs on bread, you know, or breadcrumbs in pasta and that kind of thing. It's all about making it, bulking it out, making it last longer, and making it you making it stodgier. But yeah, it's ultimately it's 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 food food from from poor background, yeah. Yeah. And of course, we could and we do try to both in terms of combating poverty and climate change. Um, we do try to use waste and leftovers, but we don't really have the cooking skills in this country, do we? I mean, how much is it to do with embedded culture? Well, we don't have exactly. We don't have the culture. We don't have. Um, well, one, we don't have the cooking culture um, that we, you know that we perhaps used to have you know basically from the, in the 50s you know we've we've been exposed so much to uh fast food and and and, and this kind of thing um and you know and the cheat and the cheapness that that comes with but that just isn't in sicily you know that's that's super frowned upon i mean it's a it's it, even even for the youngsters the new generation you know buying fast food is look is frowned upon you know it's still about that uh cooking everything at home you know and yeah making things last and having the ultimate respect for food which which you find a lot around the med you know it's not just it's not just sicily a lot of italy you know food food culture and the importance of food is is, is incredibly important you know in spain as well not like in the uk you know kids couldn't couldn't care less to, to be honest you know about a lot of not i'm generalizing here but a lot of kids couldn't care less about the food really but you know the the youngsters in in the in the med and so on it's it's paramount and that comes from their parents and grandparents
It's family, isn't it? Yeah. Your second um, food moment is classic Italian food. I mean, in in a sense, all your food moments are. And I'm interested in how you Sicilianize those, you know, with that warmth you were talking about, the, the sort of the Arab influence. But pasta with lemon, sage and parmesan. I have to say I made this and it is sensational. It's so easy. It's good, isn't it? It's, and again, this is, this is a, another frugal, very frugal dish, you know, um, and, but so surprising. And again, y- you know, it's best made, um, it's best made in, in, the, in the winter, really, when lemons are at their best. But, you know, listen, you can get lemons, you can get good lemons all year round now. Let's not kill ourselves. But, you know, I made this a lot um, through lockdown period. Uh, and just because it was just, it was just a nice, you know, it, it was, it brightened up, you, it brightened up your day. Um, and it was so easy to put together. And the lemon in the sauce is just, it, it's, it, it's such, so, so surprisingly good. And it's just, it just kind of sets a spark and blows your mind. I absolutely, I absolutely, I love it. I mean, it's one of my, it's one of my favourite pasta dishes, 100%. And you say that you've had this in lots of different parts of Sicily and they are very different. I mean, how does that particular dish compare from place to place? Yeah, I mean, uh, again, varies, you know, kind of varies in, in um, well, I suppose varies in quality, but also, you know, I think um, they, you know, th- th- different things will be added to it. I mean, the, the, it's it's a very, it's a very common dish. Everywhere does uh, a pasta, a pasta with lemon, but depending on kind of where you go, you know, if you go kind of more, um, kind of more towards the, the, uh, the West Coast where it gets nearer to kind of Africa, you know, you might get kind of... Uh, dried fruits added to it um you might get almonds to bulk it out in there you know kind of uh along with breadcrumbs or not with breadcrumbs um and and yeah it's it, it kind of you know it's it varies just depending on on uh on what's kind of grown in that location what you know what spices may be added to it you might get a touch of cumin in there or you might get some wild fennel in there if it's a bit more inland Amazing. My mouth is watering. Your third is the aubergine parmigiana. We, we all know this one really, really well. Uh, I haven't made it with burrata and breadcrumbs, though. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, aubergine parmigiana, yeah, so we all know it very well. It's kind of also associated with kind of, uh, you know, the Sicilian American cuisine. But it is it is it is made. It is made throughout Sicily. The breadcrumbs is uh, something that I picked up when I was out there. Again, it is about, you know, adding a bit more bulk to it to make it go a bit further, you know. But what it does, it, um, it, adds, uh, some, it adds a nice texture to it. You know, if you fry the breadcrumbs first that go into it, um, it adds a nice texture to it. And it also just kind of holds the whole thing together. Um, it's much more than the sum of its parts, the, the, the breadcrumbs. The burrata um, is uh, it's, it is a re- it, it is a revelation because what it does it um, it just creates more of a sauce to it. So um, it's to, you know it, traditionally it's 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 mozzarella which is obviously drier or you know depending on how off off authenticism you want to get it sometimes has a white sauce in it you know like a like a lasagna but the burrata just covers those bases it creates a creaminess a moistness rich kind of sauciness once it melts through and it's it's brilliant we we developed that one for norma the restaurant uh where i'm, where I'm sat just now and um without without a shadow of a doubt it's it, it, it's it's the biggest seller and people people like it so it's those four ingredients 
Yeah, because you recognise it, but then it's got something extra in it. And again, you know, the breadcrumbs, going back to the breadcrumbs, the breadcrumbs enable it, once it's baked and cooled down, you, we turn it out and we slice it. So we'll slice it into thick, fat rectangles and then put that back through the oven. You wouldn't be able to do that without the breadcrumbs. It kind of just holds it all together. And then you can essentially serve a freestanding aubergine parmigiana. Amazing, amazing. You, if that's your thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the, the, the fourth food moment, the flourless orange cake. Now that feels very North African to me. Um, well, the fact that it's made with um, essentially almonds, it's 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 all it, it's almonds and orange so you know it's it's probably more sicilian than you would think you know the lack of you know the, the lack of flour um in certain parts would be made up um with 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 ground nuts you know as 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 a thickening agent as something to bake with uh very common you know around particularly during the moorish occupation period that was that was developed that's something that was developed by the moors um and as and continues so you know you get lots of things in sicily like the um the mandalore biscuits you know the almond biscuits that's essentially almond ground almonds and egg white and sugar um so not that unusual uh and then the oranges in there um well this is actually the, the, you know there's a bit of um me delving into other other bits here and that's what again all the book is about because uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not Sicilian. Um, and so I have certainly cherry picked certain things out there that I, I like. But the Claudia Rodin recipe, um, uh, she uses blitzed whole or cooked oranges in, in a cake and it's it, it makes it sensational. So um, it just adds moistness. You get the bitterness from the pith. People are really surprised by it when you when you put in blitzed whole oranges in there. Um, but it just it just really works as the whole cake. But but yeah, you you, you definitely get similar similar things um, throughout. Again, on more more towards the west, where you're kind of heading uh, nearing Tunisia and so on. Yeah, I mean, you're, with the Claudia Roden idea, actually, that's quite genius, isn't it? Because of course, she comes with that Sephardic tradition. Um, absolutely delicious. Now, one of the things I love is that you and your wife go on these immersive food trips on the the, the hunt for a particular dish that somebody has told you about. I absolutely love that. So, for example, that the the pasta restaurant in Etna. Who told you, and and, and why that one in particular? Yeah. So as um, so as a food writer friend of mine told me about this restaurant, we were going to go on a food trip. Um, it was actually uh, this was just before. Uh, lockdown just trying to remember this but there's a friend of mine called Bob Granley's who writes for um oh, he's the food editor of the Guardian and we were discussing places to go um and um on, on this trip but anyway this came this this uh little restaurant came out of uh, much discussion and much kind of texting with friends that we know um and there's a little tiny restaurant just on the uh, in the foothills of Etna and it was meant to be i think it, I, it came through um something in the New York Times the best pasta in uh in the land and uh which is a big statement to be honest with you um and anyway ended up going and by by all accounts you know having been on lots of these trips where you're kind of going to the the ends of uh, ends of the earth uh, to 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 find uh, the holy grail of of whatever whatever it is you're looking at and often disappointed you know ultimately you're setting out your goals you know pretty 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 big to 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 do this but it was fantastic um and i just think that um it was it was it was in its simplicity that it was so good and the pasta was 
absolutely sensational as you would imagine super seasonal it was made there but it was it was more about it wasn't the, the food it was more about the charm of the place the charm of the owner um kind of how understated everything was the weather it's all these things go into making the experience it's not just about the bowl of pasta that sits on sits on your table it's about all the elements that go to it the views that we were looking at are you know, kind of out over uh, over etna it was such a it was such a gorgeous day the owners were fantastic the food was fantastic amazing wine from etna as you would expect um and it just made for the most wonderful wonderful kind of experience and you know probably probably one of one of the best i've had and i certainly hope to get near that i was that gonna again. say what's the plan have you got any idea when you'll be back in sicily yeah i mean there is a plan to go in september but i mean i'm just gonna have to see what happens um i i i, I don't know i don't know to be honest um i mean i'm holding out you know i've got i've got a couple of trips planned but um we're just going to have to wait and see because it's not just about getting there. It's all the either side of it and the, the implications and, you know, have, running an incredibly busy restaurant at the minute with, um, you know, kind of limited staff, as you're probably hearing everybody all over the country say. So there's lots of things there. But I, I, as, soon, as soon as it's safe to do so, in fact, I've, I've got a trip penciled in with Bob um, from The Guardian and we're, and we're hoping to do a, uh, a 10 best uh, 10 best things to eat in Sicily. Um, so that is that is that has been penciled in for a while, but I ca- I cannot wait for that. Fantastic! And for those of us who actually might 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 be able to get there too, your best top tip before the Guardian releases it. Okay, so I would go. Um, I'd miss out Taramina and and all those kind of places. On the I'd head straight to the west coast and I'd go. I'd go to somewhere like um, Trapani, which is on the west coast, to get a real authentic hit of Sicily and what I love talking about the North African influence um, which is uh, go on to, into the port Trapani and get a bowl of um, Trapani style seafood stew with couscous and sit there and watch the kind of the fishermen go by and do all their business it will be it's the most amazing thing you do and you'll just think am I actually am I actually in Sicily but that's kind of what it's all about it's um that that that's uh that was one of the eye-opening experiences for me thanks for listening you can buy all the books featured on cooking the books by clicking on the bookshop tab at jillysmith.com and while you're there do sign up to the newsletter to keep up with all my news Please rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts and I'll see you next week when we're off to Egypt, Jordan, Turkey and Israel chasing smoke with Sarit Packer and Itamar Srilovich from Honey & Co.